podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL roundtable feed. So just search EPL roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on deadline day, Tuesday, January 31st. My club won't be doing anything, so, you know, there's that. But your club may well be doing lots. Before we get into that, though, I just want to make everybody aware I have a new podcast that I'm doing. It's a non-football podcast, which is great. It's called The Buzz Podcast. You can find it on Twitter, at Buzz underscore podcast. Uh, This week, I was joined by Trev Downey to talk about JFK, featuring Kevin Costner leading an all-star cast and some other great 90s movies and setting up a few more with Trev that we'll do. Uh, Last week, I podded with Guy, 
and we did um, The Last of Us, and then took a kind of a broader look at how video games are becoming a real source of material for the film industry. We had that few years there where everything seemed to be a remake. We had before that, everything was a comic book, and now video games are becoming more and more prevalent. So uh, the two two of them are really good, really enjoyable. So give those a listen. Um, You'll find them, like I say, on Twitter, at buzz underscore podcast. And uh, yeah, appreciate any any support and listens over there. Let's move to football then. Last night in the FA Cup, West Ham defeated Derby County by two goals to nil. Jared Bowen and Mikel Antonio giving the Hammers the win. And they go through to the fifth round. We have one game tonight in the FA Cup. It is Birmingham versus Blackburn in their replay. The other five replays will take place next week. The draw has been made. So we know what's what for the fifth round. Southampton at home to Luton or Grimsby. Leicester at home to Blackburn or Birmingham. Stoke at home to Brighton. Wrexham or Sheffield United at home to Spurs. Fulham or Sunderland at home to Leeds. Bristol City at home to Manchester City. Manchester United at home to West Ham United. And Ipswich or Burnley at home to Sheffield Wednesday or Fleetwood Town. So we are guaranteed at least one lower league representative in the sixth round, which is great. It is great. Hopefully we get at least one more. I think there's there's definitely some potential for upsets. I think Blackburn, if they could get by Birmingham, could potentially upset Leicester. Sunderland, if they can get by Fulham, could potentially upset Leeds. Southampton Luton is an interesting one because obviously Nathan Jones is best known for his two spells at Luton. Uh, So there'll be a lot of familiarity there. And maybe something to prove for Luton to the manager that walked out on them. The FA Cup is shaping up to be pretty exciting this year. You'd have to make Manchester City the favourites to win the competition. But, I mean, Spurs look a real threat. Manchester United on potentially for a cup double. Brighton, you wouldn't rule them out. And what an achievement that would be if they could win the FA Cup. Uh, I think that's who, who I'm kind of hoping will win it, is Brighton. If they can get by Stoke and then get a favourable six-round draw, and maybe the two Manchester clubs draw each other, so they t- one of them is gone, Brighton could easily beat one of them in the final. We might as well get into the transfer stuff. Um, Hakim Zayic is in talks with Paris Saint-Germain over a potential move from Chelsea. Uh, right now, they're discussing both the opportunity for a loan move or potentially a permanent move, depending on what kind of fee Chelsea would want. Now, obviously, Chelsea are in a position where they're going to have to start selling players. 
because they've spent a ludicrous amount of money since Todd Bowley took over. And they're obviously still trying to get Enzo Fernandez in the door. That one looks like it might be just a step too far. Rui Costa seems to have dug his heels in. The payment structure that Chelsea favour isn't something that's all that appealing to Benfica. Chelsea want to pay the £120 across six instalments. Benfica don't want that. They want most of the money up front, which Chelsea can't afford to do because of FFP and probably just not having that level of cash to hand. So that one they might fall short on. But obviously they've they've brought in half of Europe at this point. If we look at what they've done in this January window, Benoit Badiashile, David Datro Fafana, Andre Santos, Michaela Mudrik, Noni Mudeki, Malo Gusto. Now, Gusto will stay at Lyon until the summer, but the deal is done and he's signed and he unveiled and the whole, the whole lot. And obviously they've put in place a deal for Christopher Nkunku to join in the summer transfer window as well. So that brings you to 123, 153, 162, 188 million plus add-ons before we get to Nkunku. And with the add-ons, it's probably it's probably in the region of two hundred and forty million plus in Kunku. So you're looking at three hundred million committed in this window, on top of the three hundred million give or take that they spent in the summer. And they brought in Joe Felix on loan as well, remember. So you're looking at about six hundred million spent already before Enzo Fernandez, which would take them over the 700 million mark when you add on the add-ons and everything else that they're they're committed to paying. And thus far, I mean, they sold Timo Werner, they got 25 million, they got 15 for Emerson and nine for um, Billy Gilmore. They got small fees for Tyler Dibbling, Xavier Bayamba, Kennedy, and Michi Batshuayi. Let's say another 10 million between the, let's say 15 to be kind, between them. So you're at about 65 million of sales. Then they've lost June Sunsup Bell in this window, which is a bit of a surprising one because he was very, very highly rated. But it wouldn't surprise me if we start to see a bit of an exodus from Chelsea's academy because a lot of these young players are going to have to look at the situation and think, where am I going to get minutes? How am I going to get in the team? Even with all the loan fees and everything they've brought in and all the fees they've brought in for the players that they got rid of, Chelsea are still looking at a 500 million net spend for this year alone. Before Enzo, before Enzo, 600 if they sign Enzo. Now, news today that they have agreed a deal to sell 
So this is why they need to start selling players. News today that they have agreed to sell Jorginho to Arsenal for a fee of £12 million. Now, Jorginho was at a contract in the summer, which is, I suppose, why the, the fee is so low. He's also 31 years of age, just turned there in December. It's a bit of an odd one for Arsenal. I mean, he's a, he's a decent player, don't get me wrong. But he just doesn't seem like a particularly good fit for Arsenal. Now, some people have said it's because they were looking to get in depth behind Thomas Partey. Okay, he's not a particularly good defensive player. He's got a good sense of position, but he's physically weak. He's quite slow, not a great tackler. Just seems like an odd move. They were trying to get Caicedo. They pissed Brighton off. They won't be getting Caicedo. Well, as things stand, they won't be getting Caicedo. So they've moved for Jorginho. And Arsenal fans don't seem to have taken it all that well. I mean, this is the club that started out the window thinking they were getting Mudrick. Didn't get Mudrick, got Trossard. And I like Trossard. But for their fans, that was a bit of a damp squib. Then they get in a centre-back that most of the fans haven't heard about in Jakob Kior, who's a, a good defender, but he's not someone you're going to get overly excited about. And then you go for Caicedo and you end up with Jorginho. You can see why they'd be a little bit upset, but they shouldn't be upset because they are at least addressing needs in their squad. Jorginho's an odd fit, but they do need a body in midfield and he is a body in midfield and he can play with Partey as well. There's no reason he couldn't might take a small little rejig of the midfield structure, but there's no reason he couldn't play if Granit Xhaka was out, for example. Just play him a little bit deeper than Xhaka normally plays and move Odegaard more into a central role than that kind of right-hand channel. And you could just a little rejig and make it work. It's an 18-month contract, so it's not a big commitment that Arsenal are making here, but it is a sign of ambition that their ownership are willing to pay £12 million for a player on an 18-month contract. Knowing that they've got an opportunity this season to win the league, they're making decisive moves and they're spending what they can spend. It wouldn't surprise me if we see one or two others leave Chelsea after Jorginho and Zayic. Conor Gallagher's name is doing the rounds. Everton had a bid turned down. I think by Gallagher himself. I think he, he, he turned that move down. But Newcastle have long been linked to him. And obviously there's Crystal Palace interest, though they have moved in a different direction. And there's also some reports today that Albert Sambi Laconga could go on loan from Arsenal to Crystal Palace with the news that Jorginho is coming into Arsenal. Laconga, I think, makes a lot more sense for Palace. And he's the right kind of age and the right kind of profile to fit into a Palace midfield. Um, So that one looks like it'll be a loan. Whether there'll be any kind of option to buy or not, I I don't know. That that hasn't been reported. Also looks like Cedric Soares will be leaving Arsenal on loan to go to Fulham. Uh, Saw somewhere he's on 100 grand a week. 100 grand a week. Mental. Football is broken when 
you know, average third choice right backs are getting a hundred grand a week. Pedro Porro has arrived in London for his medical. They finally were able to get this deal put together and Poro will join Spurs from Sporting for a fee of around forty-five million. Now it looks like what it's going to be is a is a loan with an obligation to buy in the summer, um, and they'll pay the full release clause that way. But they'll also pay a pay a loan fee. So I think that's a good deal for for Spurs and to make room for Poro. Spurs are sending Jed Spence on loan out to Rennes in France, which is a great move for him. He'll team up there with Joe Roden, who's already there from Spurs on loan. I really like that move for Spence. Hopefully he gets some heavy game time there. And Matt Doherty is on his way to Atletico Madrid on loan, which is a very odd move. But Simeone is playing a back three a bit more regularly. So I suppose from that point of view, it it might work. I don't think it will, but it might work. Um, on the topic of Ren, they are selling Kamaldine Suleimana to Southampton. Suleimana turned down both Everton and I believe Leipzig to pick Southampton. And I love this transfer. 25 million euro plus 3 million in add-ons, a four and a half year contract. I think this kid has the potential to be one of the best wide players in Europe. He's super exciting. He's super inventive. If you saw him at the World Cup, he's just a nightmare to try and try and stop. Always wants the ball, always wants to beat his man and make things happen. I I love what Southampton are building. I just hope that they're able to keep this group together because if they go down, which is obviously a real possibility, they have, they've got so many players that other clubs are going to want. But if we take Basunu as the goalkeeper, Livermento as the right back, Larius as the left back, Belakotchup and Salisu as the centre-backs. That's a really promising back five. Lavia as the holding midfielder. Diallo next to him to go box-to-box. That's really promising. And then you've got Sekumara, who's really exciting. You add Sulemana, who's really exciting. You've got Adozi, who's really exciting. You've got Carlos Alcaraz, who's a really good player and could play that number 10 position. You are really just looking for a striker to have every box picked for a young, exciting, dynamic team with immense potential. So if they were to go down, and let's say they sold Ward-Prowse, Kyle Walker-Peters, Coletta Carr, got rid of Walcott, Salt bed in Iraq. That should be enough to keep the Wolves from the door financially. And if you can keep all those young players, I I think you could come back up as a team that immediately challenges for top half. But you've got to get a striker. Now, they were trying to get a striker, and it seems like they've missed out on said striker, which might have prompted the Suleimana deal. But maybe they were looking to get both. 
anyway. I mean, we don't know for certain that they weren't looking to bring in both, but um, they were looking to bring in Vitinha from Sporting Braga. Really talented striker, 22 years of age. Definitely a potential Portuguese international down the road. He's had a, a good run with the under-23s over the last two years. Seven goals in 17 league games this year, 13 in 27 in all competitions. He's done very well in Europe for them this year. 14 in 38 last season in what was his first real season as a professional footballer. Um, they were trying to get him. It looks like Brighton have beaten them to the punch. He is a very Brighton signing. And he's exactly what Brighton need. And if Brighton can now have him and Evan Ferguson as their number nine options, and they can rotate them, I think that's a that's a massive win for Brighton if they can get him across the line. I think he's going to be really good. He would have been ideal for Saints as well. I still think Saints need to find a striker, even after Sudamana. Who that will be, I have no idea. There's a couple of names that they've been linked with. But thus far, there's been no um, no movement. Terra Moffi was the one that they wanted, but it looks like he'll stay with Laurent for another year. Well, at least till the summer. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a that's a really good, really good get for Brighton. Speaking of South Coast teams doing bits and pieces. Uh, you will have heard me complaining about the fact that Bournemouth were spending a lot of money on attackers and ignoring their defence. Well, ignore the defence no more. Uh, it looks like they have agreed a deal to bring in Ilya Zarbani, who's a super talented centre-back, massive potential, and definitely one that has a very high ceiling. I think this is an excellent sign. I think he is a huge step up for them defensively. They're still trying to get more pieces in. It's really impressive how ambitious Bournemouth are being in this window, to their credit. Um, So we'll wait and see what else shakes out there. Uh, Let's go through and see what else we have here. Marquinhos is leaving Arsenal to go to Norwich on loan. Diego Llorente has gone to Roma on a loan with an option to buy for 18 million. And Leeds are replacing him with Diogo Montero um, from Servette in Switzerland. He is a highly regarded young Portuguese centre-back. I'm not sure how ready he is for Premier League football. He's only 18. He's only played a handful of times for Savet's first team. But that's the move they've made. Uh, Hamad Junior Traore is another one on his way to Bournemouth. Uh, 30 million euro, it looks like. That is a sizable fee but for a very good player. 
Leicester are still trying to sign Jack Harrison. Leicester are also still trying to sign Harry Suter from Stoke. Rail via the lead think they're keeping Ivan Fresneda. That's fine. So Barney, Uatara, and Traore plus Semenyo. That's a big spend for Bournemouth in an effort to stay in the division. You have to give them credit for it. I'm looking forward to tomorrow when we can actually go through and see what everybody did. And I don't know if we're going to have a review show with Kevin DeVries for this window. We normally do it after every transfer window, but I know he's been really busy, so we might not be able to get one put together for this year. Uh, Patrick Van Aanholt is joining PSV Eindhoven. Uh, Hector Bellerin is on his way to Sporting to replace Poro. Harrison Ashby has signed for for Newcastle. I don't understand why West Ham have allowed that, especially for three million. Maybe he was at a contract in the summer and wasn't willing to renew. What else do we have here? Um, oh, this is bad news for Manchester United. Christian Eriksen looks like he will be out until late April or early May with the injury he suffered at the weekend. So that's less than ideal uh, because he's been so important to what they've done this season. It'll be interesting to see how they replace him. There's no money to spend, so it's likely to be Fred or McTominay. What's Mr. Ornstein got to say? Uh, he's got about Sulemana. He says, um, Jorginho transfer from Chelsea to Arsenal has gone down very well amongst Arsenal squad and staff. Still no deal for Enzo Fernandez. Uh, Ornstein also says that Arsenal have just accepted that. Accepted that Caicedo won't be moving in this window. So it looks like he will stay put. Uh, that's all we have at the moment. So we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll have a little chat about Sean Dyche, who's been announced finally. I think between when I recorded yesterday and when it got released, it got announced. But I want to have a little chat about Dyche. If anything else pops up transfer-wise, we'll talk about that. And then we'll have the gossip at the end. So we'll see you in two minutes. Right, welcome back. So, Sean Dyche is the new manager of Everton Football Club and in the most Everton way possible, they left it until the second last day of the transfer window, which means anything they do now is pretty much going to be panic-based. They tried for Suleimana before Dyche. He wouldn't have been a particularly good fit under Dyche. As soon as Dyche was announced, they immediately bid for Conor Gallagher, offering basically the full fee they got from Newcastle for Anthony Gordon, 40 million plus five in add-ons. Seems like Chelsea accepted that move, uh, but the player turned it down. So um, I'm not sure it was the right move. He's he's definitely a, a player who would improve them, but is that really what they need? Conor Gallagher next to Onana? 
a Dyche midfield comes with kind of controlling midfielders and neither Gallagher nor Onana offer control. Both of them offer a bit more chaos, which is obviously has huge merits, especially with Onana, who's an enormous talent. But I do kind of feel like Garner is a real Dyche midfielder. The more I think about Dyche there, the more I think Garner and Onana should be the pairing. As I've said, I think there is a Sean Dyche 11 in that squad with one with one doubt in my mind. I think Pickford's fine. He's a little bit shorter than what Dyche normally likes, but he's, you know, cons- considering the circumstances, relatively speaking, he's having a good season. Patterson is is absolutely a Dyche type fullback. So is Michael Enko. I think he'll be happy with those two as his fullbacks. He'll love Tarkovsky because he loves Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky was one of his building blocks at Burnley. But Dyche likes a right-footed centre-back and a left-footed centre-back. Or he wants two really commanding centre-backs. Now, they don't have a left-footed centre-back at the club right now. Branthwaite is left-footed as far as I can remember, but he's out on loan at PSV. Maybe they could bring him back, but... Do you really want to throw a 20-year-old into a relegation scrap? I mean, it, it, it could absolutely work. Dyche will set the team up defensively to the point where he'll just have to defend in a small box. But they might be well served to go and look for somebody to bring in if they can find a left-footed centre-back who's available right now. Yeri Mina is that commanding defender. But Yerry Mean is always injured. It wouldn't surprise me if we see Tarkovsky and Michael Keane as the centre back pairing under Sean Dyche. It wouldn't surprise me at all because he knows both of them. He made their careers. And I think Michael Keane is possibly the one who'll benefit the most from being reunited with Sean Dyche. He looked very much like he was getting forced out by Frank Lampard. But I think I think Michael Keane is the right move here for for Dyche. Play him and Tarkovsky. You had Keane for three years at Burnley and you bought Tarkovsky. They had a year together. They didn't play a whole bunch together as far as I can remember. They had about 18 months together at the club. So they, they do know each other. Chances are they have played together in that 18 months. Um, they have to have, because Tarkovsky played only four games the first half season he was there, but then he played 24 games the next season. And Keane was pretty much ever-present, so they, they definitely have played together. So, And it was enough to get you up and keep you up those two being at your club. You had Ben Mee as well, obviously. But that, I think, is the move. I think Tarkovsky and Keane is the move. Two big, strong, commanding centre-backs, both pretty good on the ball, relatively speaking. For what Dyche wants them to do, they're pretty good on the ball. Um, They're in and around the same age. There's only three months between them, so you can definitely have that pairing for the next 18 months if it works. 
those two fullbacks, those two centre backs. I think that's pretty decent. Garner and Onana in central midfield, I think, is your best bet. It will be on the right, playing narrow. McNeil on the left, doing what he did for Dyche at Burnley. And then Gray just off Calvert Lewin. I think that's a pretty strong eleven. It's not a it's not a, an exciting eleven. There's very little that's going to get you out of your seat, bar the odd Damari Gray run or the odd whipped cross from from McNeil that Calvert Lewin gets his head to, or the odd Onana rampage to the middle of the field. But I think it's a good eleven. And I think it's enough under Dyche to stay up. Fitness permitting. That's going to be very important here. But the reason I would go Keane over, say, Mina, is that I think Michael Keane can be trusted to stay fit, whereas Yerry Mina can't. Now, Keane has had some injury issues at Everton, but not to the level of Mina. I think that 11 can scrap their way to survival. And then you can start to build. And then you can invest that Anthony Gordon money and maybe you sell off a couple of other pieces that are at the club that you don't want anymore. And maybe the the owner can put his hand in his pocket a little bit at that point. The only doubt I have, obviously, is that second centre-back spot. And I think Michael Keane, of the ones they have available, Cody... Godfrey, it wouldn't surprise me if you see Godfrey at right back until Patterson's back. And Mina, I would trust Keane over, for what Dyche wants, I would trust Keane over the three of them. Cody's too small, he's not good enough in a two, Mina's too injury prone. And Godfrey can just be a little bit lax in his concentration, in some of his, his passing, in some of his positioning. And that won't sit well with Sean Dyche. So again, I think Dyche, I think Godfrey could fill in at right back, could also play at holding midfield. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's one of the ones that's maybe sold off in the summer. If we have a look through the squad. Holgate, I think, is another that Dyche will like because he's just a defender who just defends. But he's too small to play centre back for Dyche, I think. Um but it wouldn't surprise me if Dyche uses him as kind of a utility backup. Mina, I think, goes in the summer. Decore goes in the summer. Mope, he'll like. And he could go Calvert-Loon and Mope in some games and play grey wide when he wants to be a bit more attacking. I think he will really like Tom Davies. I think that type of energy off the bench is something he'll like. Idrissa is obviously a good player who is just past his best, but I think he'll be valuable as a rotation option. But for me, Garner and Onana in midfield is is the best pairing. Not necessarily the two best individuals. I do think Idrissa Ganage is still a better player than James Garner, but Garner's style fits what Dyche does a lot better. In the summer, they've got some money coming from Moise Keane. Uh, they'll probably get a fee for Gabamon. They should get 
Gomes off the wage bill. They'll bring Branthwaite back, which will be another option at centre-back. They'll be in better shape in the summer if they can stay up. But I do think there's an, an 11 there that Dyche can keep them up with. I think he's a very good manager. I think he's hugely underrated because of the style of football. But I think Sean Dyche is a really good manager. He was at Burnley for nearly a decade. Nearly a decade. And when you look at what he did, they came up, they went down, they came back up and they stayed up. And he got them into Europe. He finished in the top half twice. Like, for me, the job he did at Burnley is one of the better jobs we've seen anybody do in the Premier League for a prolonged period. His net spend was minimal. I think it worked out at about $9 million per window across his entire tenure there. That might not have been his net spend. That might have been his gross spend. I think that might have been his gross spend, actually, was $9 million per window across his entire tenure there. When you consider some of the fees he brought in for players like Michael Keane, it's hard to argue that he didn't do a great job there. He's 51, so it's not like he's an older manager or anything like that. He's still got plenty of time ahead of him. If you see him do his masterclass on The Coach's Voice on YouTube, it's actually really interesting. And you can tell that a lot of the decisions he made at Burnley were because it was Burnley and because of the talent disadvantage that he had in comparison to other teams. Now, he's at a talent disadvantage at Everton as well. But at Everton, he should, should in time, get at least some decent financial backing. I expect him to do fairly well. And the thing is, he's got six months here or five months that are basically a free hit. Because if they go down, it's not his fault. It's Lampard's fault. Because Lampard put them in this mess. And if they go down, he knows how to bring a team back up. He did it twice at Burnley. So there's no reason he couldn't do it with Everton. Get rid of... And and I've said this before. Going down might not be the worst thing for Everton. Because it will allow them to clear the books, get rid of a lot of the higher paid, underperforming players, reset themselves, have a bit of an adventure in the championship. You know, have a bit of fun for a year, win the championship, lift some silverware. I know it's not, you know, a cup or a, a Premier League or whatever, but lift some silverware, have fun. Everton's existence has been so boring. For so, so long. Like, with, with due respect to Moyes, who I think is, is a decent, is obviously a good manager, um, Everton were really boring under him, and they won nothing. They got into the Champions League once and got knocked out in the qualifiers. The most exciting times they had under Moyes were the seasons they got involved in relegation scraps. And I think Dyche is a better manager than Moyes. I also think he plays better football than people give him credit for. Like, think of that midfield. 
at Burnley. Goodmanson, Westwood, Cork, or Brownhill, and then McNeil. Like, that's not a four grafters midfield. They're all technically proficient players. Yes, he played a big, but two big, big grocks up front in Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes, but he also had Matthias Vidra. He also had um, Jay Rodriguez, neither of whom are grocks, both are technical, talented players. His fullbacks got forward endlessly. His centre-backs were both encouraged to play with the ball. They weren't just encouraged to lump it long. They would go long and direct into the front man if it was on, but otherwise they were looking to play into midfield. And Dyche himself has said, his instruction to his midfielder is, when you get the ball, get it forward. Play forward. Don't play sideways. Don't play backwards unless you have to. Play it forward. But he's a real manager, which Frank Lampard was not. And he's a manager who is, I think, a good fit for Everton. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. I hope he does well. I wouldn't be upset if they got relegated as long as he does well and keeps them and brings them back up. I would probably laugh quite a lot if they did get relegated, but you know, we won't say any more about that. Um Milan Skriniar looks like he is potentially on his way to Paris Saint-Germain. Not now, but in the summer. Uh, Inter are looking at Mary Demerel, apparently, to uh, replace him. Oh, I was wrong about Vitinha. Brighton have been gazumped. Marseille have jumped in a figure in excess of 30 million euros. That's really disappointing. That's really disappointing. Uh, Jacques Canseo has completed his loan move. He's gone to Bayern Munich. There's also some... I don't know if reports is the right word, but some rumours that um, Bernardo Silva could be the next out the door, but more likely, I think, in the summer. Aston Villa are recalling Bertrand Traore from his loan at Besiktas to have him involved in the squad. Villa are also sending Marvellous Nakamba out on loan. And he will join Luton. Uh, John Percy is reporting that Harry Souter is having a medical today ahead of a move from Stoke to Leicester. I'll be really interested to see how he does in the Premier League. I do worry a little bit about his lack of speed. He's also got one of the worst looking tattoos I've ever seen in my life on his forearm. So... If there's a good tattooist in the Leicester area, get in touch. He needs needs some help with that. Uh, that is that is atrocious. Uh, what's Mike McGrath got for us today? McGrath Mike, as he is on Twitter. 
Blackburn Rovers have entered the race for Steve Cook. Luton also interested. The, the best thing that they that club can do is get rid of Steve Cook. Uh, Paddy Lane of Fleetwood Town could be on his way to Portsmouth. Looks like Sasa Lukic to Fulham is done. Fulham also trying to get Sander Burge. Do they want both of them? Everton have an interest in Che Adams, according to McGrath. Another addition for Bournemouth, Matthias Vigne, uh, the left-back in on loan from Roma with a potential option to buy. I don't hate that move. I don't hate it at all. Um, now, if you go Zarbani, Sinisi and Lloyd Kelly as a back three, I think that's pretty good. Big question mark over who the right wing back would be. None of the options at the club are particularly good. Maybe you could convert a winger into that role. But Vini is a good player to play on the left. Um, Bristol have agreed a deal for Anis Mameti from Wickham. Uh, from Wickham. Crystal Palace striker Luke Plange has agreed to join Lincoln on a six-month loan. Okay. Last Ford, Kato Nakamura, subject of approaches from Augsburg and Reims, but looks like he will stay where he is. Liverpool and Brighton have sent scouts to watch him this season. Liverpool won't buy him. He's, he's not He's not from one of the top five leagues and Paris have thought you might do something smart in the transfer market. Um, what else do we have? Have we got anything else that's worth, worth our time? Mikhailo Mudrik has apologised for using a racial slur in a TikTok video. Oh, so he was he was rapping to a song, and there's a certain word that's in in a lot of rap, and he used that. You know what? That's that's not something you're gonna condemn the lad for. I don't think. Um, you mean you could? You could if you want to jump in. Ooh, there's a there's a hits and misses thing here on the BBC regarding January transfers. Um, Premier League hits and misses after three billion spent in twenty years of January transfer windows. Let's see hits. Patrice Evra, yes. Riyad Mahrez to Leicester, absolutely. Luis Suarez to Liverpool, yes. Clint Dempsey to Fulham, yes. Nemanja Matic, Seamus Coleman, Branislav Ivanovic, Nemanja Vidic, Bruno Fernandes, Virgil van Dijk. Then misses Fernando Torres, Liverpool to Chelsea. Andy Carroll, Newcastle to Liverpool. Alexis Sanchez, Arsenal to Manchester United. Alfonso Alves, Heronveen to Middlesbrough, Guido Carrillo, Monaco to Southampton. That was awful. Uh, Christoph, Christopher Samba, Anzi to QPR, Jean Alan Boomsang, Rangers to Newcastle. I remember him when he came through at Auxerre. It was him and Philippe Mexes were the two. And it was so clear from so early on that Mexes was significantly better. 
But Boom Song was like super aggressive, super athletic. In the end, neither lived up to anything like the the potential they had. Uh, Philippe Coutinho, Liverpool to Barcelona. Savio Nasareco, I don't even remember him. Nine million from Brescia to West Ham. Lasted six months and went to Fiorentina. Played 11 games. Don't even remember him. Omar Niasse. Yeah, God, you couldn't not remember him. The way he was treated at Everton was a disgrace. That's just the be-all and end-all of it. Um, It was an absolute scandal, the way he was treated. Jack and Sale, deal done. Jude Sunsop Bell, deal done. Harrison Ashby, deal done. Diogo Monteiro, deal done. Um, what else have we got? Marquinhos, deal done. Joe Anderson, gone on loan from Everton to Sunderland. Charlie McNeil, gone on loan from Manchester United to Newport. Uh, young Dylan Duffy from UCD in Ireland to Lincoln for an undisclosed fee. Best of luck to him. Yesterday, Zhao Gomes was confirmed to Wolves. Yasin Ayari was confirmed, confirmed to Brighton. Weston McKenney was confirmed to Leeds. Brian Hill was confirmed to Sevilla on loan. And Matthias Vigne, uh, CJ Egan Riley, Burnley to Hibernian. Luke Chambers, Liverpool to Kilmarnock. Louis Barry, Aston Villa to Salford on loan. I like that one. I like him. He's talented. Uh, Cesare Caicedo from Chelsea to Reading on loan. Chen Campbell, Wolves to Wickham on loan. Oliver Burke. God, his career has not gone well. Oliver Burke, Werder Bremen to Millwall on loan. Um, Only joined Werder in the summer. Had a couple of good moments. Scored early. Scored against... uh, Stuttgart scored again against Dortmund, got the winner in that game, and then just kind of fell off a cliff. But yeah. Somebody advised him really badly early in his career, but I mean, at this point, he is 25. Like, he was at Forest, he was shown loads of potential, and someone advised him on the move to Leipzig, which was a disaster. Then he joined West Brom, pretty much a disaster. Had a decent loan at Celtic. Didn't stay. Went to Alaves. Disaster. Went to Sheffield United. Disaster. Had a loan from there at Millwall. It went okay, performance-wise. Um, and joined Werder Bremen in the summer. On another free transfer. That's just... Like he's a football journeyman at this point. One, two, three, four, five permanent clubs. One, two, three, four, five. And this is his fifth loan spell. At 25. He's from Kirk Caldy. Big up Kirk Caldy. Um, what else have we got here? Martin Kelly, who left Crystal Palace after eight years in the summer. To join West Brom has now joined Wigan on loan. Uh, that's pretty much all there. 
Oh, Han Noah Masengo from Bristol City to Oxerinum. He's very talented, but he just hasn't developed very well. And Vacun Bio, who Watford signed in the summer for reasons known to Watford, he's left to join Charlois on loan. That is all I have at the moment. It doesn't look like Caicedo is going anywhere. It doesn't look like there's much movement on the Enzo Fernandez deal as things currently stand. Uh, the spoofer with the catchphrase is reporting that United have approached Bayern for Marcel Sabitzer. They want to bring him in potentially on loan after the Eric's injury. He's a good player. He is a good player. And he's had a bad time at um, at Bayern, but he is a good player, a versatile player as well, and would replicate a lot of what a lot of what Ericsson did. Um, he's also said that Chelsea are focused on different players. So uh, I do wonder if Chelsea are giving up the ghost on Enzo and maybe going to look elsewhere for somebody else to bring in in this window. Uh, beware of spoofers on this deadline day. We'll wrap up with the gossip. Arsenal considering a late move for Yuri Tielemans. No. No, they're just not because they've just signed Jorginho. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain hope to sign Hakim Ziyech. Um, Harry Maguire has turned down a loan move to Inter Milan. I believe United have just turned down all offers for him. I doubt Maguire had any say in the matter. Uh, Pedro Porro. Manchester United have received 10 loan offers for Anthony Alanga. Liverpool will make a surprise move for N'Golo Kante in the summer. No, they won't. Like, let's be really honest here. Just... That is garbage. There's no chance they're going to go for him. He's 31. He's always injured. He'd fit in really well with the current crop. There's just no chance it's happening. Uh, Bournemouth are close to agreeing a fee with Sassuolo for Hamid Traore. Uh, Zerbani, that's fine. Leeds have inquired about Nicolo Zaniolo. That would be interesting. I don't think he'd go there. A training ground bust-up between Joao Cancelo and Pep Guardiola instigated his departure. Newcastle see Sander Burge as the ideal replacement for John Joe Shelby. It's a bit odd. Fulham are closing in on a £9 million signing of Sasa Lukic and are still trying to sort the details for Cedric Soares. Uh, been over Charlie McNeil. Everton want to sign at least two attacking players. Uh, the targets listed here are Camaldean Sulemana. That's a no. Uh, Anthony Alanga could be had on loan. Ryan Frazier of Newcastle, they'd probably be happy to let him go. Victor Giorquez of Coventry is excellent. I hope he doesn't go there. I still don't understand why Brighton let him go in the first place, because he's exactly what Brighton need. Um, the Toffees are also targeting Geraldo Becker and Andre Ayu. Jesus, you're talking about scraping the barrel. Uh, Norwich signing Marquinhos and Leeds are willing to listen to offers for Jack Harrison right that'll do folks that's me for today thank you as always I will see you tomorrow bye bye
Social Podcast Network.